Welcome to Twice Five Miles Radio, fertile ground for conversations worth listening to and remembering. I'm your host, James Nabe, always airing first on WPVMLP Asheville 103.7, streaming online WPVMFM.org, the voice of Asheville heard all over the world, and on other community radio stations like KCEI, Cultural Energy Radio, coming out of Taos, New Mexico. Thank you, Walter Parks, for our theme song, WalterParks.com, for more on Walter's music. Thank you, Devine Dial, for managing WPVM-FM, and thank you, Robin Collier, for managing KCEI in Taos. If you would like to reach out to me, nave at jamesnave.com. Easy way to reach me. Also like to remind you, we are sponsored by the Imaginative Storm Writing Project. If you would like to improve your writing chops, imaginativestorm.com is a good place to go to start that process. So today, I have a friend of mine whom I've known for many years, and we have crossed paths often in Asheville. She's an Asheville resident. She's an actor, a musician, a singer-songwriter, an explorer of many things. Who knows what it is? She's going to tell us all of that. Her name is Lynn Morgan Rosser, and I'm really excited to have Lynn come on the show and talk about whatever she feels like. A little story might happen. Who knows? Lynn, welcome to Twice Five Miles Radio. Thank you so much, James. I am honored to be here with you and all of your listeners. Well, it's a pleasure. And then I was introducing you saying singer-songwriter and your eyes got big. I couldn't tell if you were trying to say, oh, I have only written one song in my life, but I do sing. Oh, no, no, no. Um, I, I, it was actually the actor part. I, I love acting, but I have not, I haven't done that very much. I would say that I'm more of the, of a, um, Singer songwriter, I will I will take that. I will take that. And a musician and writer and poetry lover and writer of poems, um, myself, short stories, etc. But yeah, acting is um something that I I love and but I, I don't really do. <laughs> so I'm sorry, I should have I should have uh, I, I should have mentioned that beforehand, but I did do the singer-songwriter track for a while with my husband, Chris Rosser, who runs Hollow Reed Art Studio here in Asheville and who is known as a singer-songwriter and as a musician with Free Planet Radio, um, also out of Asheville. I'm coming back into my own doing music again after a very, very long journey outside of doing my own music. So that's very exciting for me right now with Donnelly Williams. Her book came out and gave me an opportunity. Well, when I admire actors and talk about acting, the reason <laughs> I do that is because I love the idea of acting and admire people who act. And I'm not an actor, as you're not an actor, although I've done some stuff on stage. So I, I, I'm going to give you that, whether you like it or not. You can just oh. take it. <laughs> By golly, maybe one day you'll be an actor. Let's talk about you coming back to music i've listened to your work i know you have a terrific ability as a singer you have an ear you have all of that good stuff that people like when they encounter a song you said you got away from it so what happened and how did you manage to move away from that and the reason i'm asking is because i grew up playing appalachian music with my father in Asheville, north carolina where you live where i'm from and then i got away from it for a long time 
And about seven years ago, I decided to go back to the guitar and pick it up and learn how to play it so that it satisfied me playing it in the house. I'm not at the level of you or your husband, Chris, professional level, but I do love to play. But I was away from it for a long time. So what what took you away from it when you came back to it? How long did it take you to find your way into it? When did you start playing? When did you know you were a musician, a singer, songwriter all those years ago? It's I've had a long journey with music. I knew I could sing before my family knew I could sing. I surprised my parents by singing at a talent competition when I was 11. Not a competition, but like a show, you know, the kids show. And they're like, I didn't know she could sing. <laughs> so, wow. <laughs> so that brought on voice lessons and that brought on eventually a degree in music with an emphasis in vocal performance. I studied classical music. I studied Broadway. I've studied different forms of singing. I became a voice teacher. And I I met Chris when I was in college still. You know, we got married before I had actually finished college. So we've been married a long time. You know, he was very much interested not only in world music, but also singer-songwriter music. And that pulled me into that world, honestly. I hadn't encountered as much of that as he had. And so uh, we started doing some duo things together. And I started writing songs back then. We had small project together and and would do some performances and stuff and as time went on he kind of ended up taking on the the singer songwriter role i ended up going more into the voice teaching and the choral music eventually with jubilee as a as a job and then we had life happen in a very major and serious way um our eldest son aram was born and we noticed after a couple of years his rapid development started failing and we got a diagnosis of autism when he was two and a half and that same like one month later I was pregnant at the time with our second child Jaron one month later we got the diagnosis that Jaron had a very serious congenital heart defect that would require three open heart surgeries for him to have a chance to live as a baby and toddler. Um, he had to do those. And so between the two of them, caregiving became my focus. Learning about that, I had two completely opposite, very serious situations to work on, trying to help both of them and keep both of them. You know, and Chris too, believe me, he we had to work as a team for, for us to survive. It was very intense, not going to lie. Jaron was right before his 12th birthday. He uh, had an incident, pain in his chest, and we ended up, he ended up getting helicoptered to Charlotte, and uh, they put him on the heart transplant list. Picture me following a helicopter on, on, in my car, not knowing where I was going in the middle of the night, trying to get to him. Um, him being very, very brave <laughs> and going on his own. And we were in the ICU there for two weeks and then on the floor for another week, just trying to figure all that out. And when I came home, our son Aaron was still living with us. And the requirements of trying to handle a child who needed a heart transplant and a child who needed 24-7, 365 care. Aaron was a very high need care kind of guy and still is, it became impossible. Um, I, I could not do that and have 
Crystal keep a roof over our head. He had to still work and he had to travel and he had to tour and do all of those things. We've got Aram situated in a wonderful group home situation, which was really hard to do, but it's 15 minutes away and we see him all the time. So that's good. And we got Jaron through his heart transplant. He he had it right before he turned 16. So there was a few years in there that we were sort of waiting until it became too intense. And then we had to wait at the hospital because he was really, really sick. He went through that brilliantly. Uh, so strong. Such an amazing kid. Four months later, <laughs> it's not over yet. Um, he got something called PTLD, which is a very rare form of post-transplant cancer. Yeah, it happens from the immune medication overwhelms the body and there was an opportunistic virus. He just had like one, it was the EBV, EBV virus, which we all pretty much have. It's like, it's totally 95% of the population has it. It's just a normal thing now. It was a rough 100 plus, more than 100 days in the hospital, but just over 100 days. I don't know how to explain how difficult it was. And I don't want to overly get into his medical situation, you know, out of respect for his privacy. But let's just say it was really rough and really traumatic and a lot of pain and watching him and helping him through that. I stayed down there in Charlotte for the most part, well, pretty much the whole time with him. And then Chris would come tag me out every now and then. Well, not every now and then. He was there like every week. I shouldn't say that. He was there a lot. I mean, he was also trying to pay the bills. You know, we were under a lot of stress. <laughs> he did an amazing job of that. And getting through that on the other side, when we got home and the dust had settled and the Jaren was back, we had like a year long of recovering from being in the hospital that long and from the heart transplant and everything. I realized that I had a healing process I needed to go through too. Not comparing it at all to what Jaron had been through, I had also been through something as a parent and for 20 years, <laughs> you know, I'd been through, through some serious stuff. Part of my healing process was realizing that I wanted to come back to the arts and creativity. And for a while there, I was actually not able to tap into that part of myself when I got back. And it was kind of scary. And I thought, maybe I don't have anything else left. A dancer talks about their first death, you know, and I was like, did I already do that? Did I miss? Did it, Am I done? And slowly over time, I found my creativity again. And so when Donna Glee and I sat down and started talking about her book, I had seen her through her writing process for three of her novels. We've been creative friends, you know, bouncing things off of each other and reading each other's stuff and, you know, that kind of a wonderful, wonderful friendship. And we were talking about it. I, I was very excited about it for her. And love the story so much. It's such a powerful story. I I thoroughly admire her work, and the, the heroine is just a, is an amazing, very real person to me that I could connect with. I just kind of was in the course of conversation with her about this over lunch. I'm trying to get my creative feet back. Would it be okay with you if I try to focus this fuzzy ball of creative energy that I'm working on. <laughs> if I focus that on your story, if I write some songs for it, would you be okay with that? What would you want that to look like too? So we talked about that and she got excited. I got excited. And here we are with an EP of, of six songs for the night field. This was back in February. That was a process that I just finished the album with Chris. Chris very generously and wonderfully said that he would produce it for me it's hard he's trying to 
get his own album out. Um, he has an amazing new album that's going to be coming out very, very soon. And so he's been working really hard on that. And I sort of <laughs> slipped in the cracks there <laughs> and uh, he did a phenomenal job. It, you know, it's really different to work with your spouse as a client. I had the, the benefit and wonderful experience of being his client. He's amazing in the studio, such a good producer, like took my vision, took the ideas I had for the songs and really helped to take you know my music my words my chords my melodies my thoughts and and you know my mood board imagine peter gabriel meets lord <laughs> you know let's do something like that you know <laughs> and uh worked with me the whole time and really collaboratively to get it done i could not have done it like this without him his musicianship is phenomenal anyway well, that that was a, a beautiful experience to sort of bring back resurrect from wherever it had gone, that songwriting creative impulse and to, to have it come out like it has has been really, really a wonderful experience for me. So as your struggle with your both your boys' health subsided, things leveled out, you organized all that, and then you came back to your work, can you describe mm. that transition? When you first started to come back to it and how it changed until you arrived at the studio, collaborating with Chris as your husband, as well as your, your collaborator, and you were his client. What was that? What was that like? And when did your confidence come back? How did you know it was oh, coming man. back? Did you feel it? <laughs> I did feel it. Um, okay. And this is, this is something that I... I guess I'm sharing it now. I was in a difficult place just um, emotionally after all of that and was sitting in a chair <laughs> looking at my in between doing the bare necessities to not get fired from my life, <laughs> you know, to uh, taking care of appointments, taking care of the stuff that I needed to. But I didn't have much energy for anything else. And I wasn't depressed. I, I know what that feels like. It was just I guess, exhausted and sort of numb and, you know, all of those kind of trauma experiences uh, or, or feelings. And I know this is going to sound really silly, and I did not plan on talking about this. <laughs> I had my sister-in-law ping me on a on a family message thing with a, a, a WhatsApp, you know, and, and she shared a, a K-pop video. Okay, K-pop. And of a band that she liked. And so I'm like in a chair with my phone and I Google K-pop. You know, I'm like, I know nothing about it. It was fun. You know, it was like a oh, bright colors. Okay, cool. Music, bright colors, people dancing. I like it. I grew up with music theater. I grew up with uh, loving old movie musicals like Singing in the Rain. And Gene Kelly had a total crush on him when I was 10. I <laughs> loved him. I came across the group BTS. I don't know if you've heard of them, Bang Tan Soy and Dan. Anyway, there's this huge like boy band of the world, the biggest boy band in the world. And I came across their stuff and I watched a few of their videos and learned about their story, which turned out to be amazing. They're very like a story of the underdog and of resilience, of fighting back, of coming from, you know, a very small company and overcoming all the odds you know it was very inspirational to me 
one of their pieces is called Black Swan. And it had to do with that first death. What if I, as an artist, am done now? What if I, and it was just, I, I didn't even understand half of what they were saying because it's mostly in Korean, but I got that and I, I felt it and I looked it up and I learned what it was about and it, it struck me so hard. So I just resonated with it. And so for whatever it's worth, my thanks to BTS for pulling me out of that place and of, of reminding me of my love of old movie musicals because yet another one of those videos had references to singing in the rain in it i was like oh my gosh you know and david bowie poster you know all of my young childhood stuff that i loved came back to me and so i know this sounds crazy but i am now their fan and i used that to start my healing process and to encourage myself to get back on my feet and i did that process of what that looked like was, it started with poetry. I hadn't been able to write poetry. I started writing it, getting into what I was feeling and, and being able to process that, which I tried and I couldn't before. So just having that spark of inspiration of, of hey, you can, I'm getting all emotional. <laughs> sorry, of, of, you know, you can get back up, you can do it, you can get on your feet, you can keep going against whatever odds you face. And you've done it before, you know what to do. So so the poetry then led to little melodies coming into my mind that would go with it. So I would write some lyrics and just letting myself play, just letting myself look at it as a craft, as a, a way of expressing what I was needing to feel. You know, by the time I got to meeting with Donna Glee, I, I had done enough of that where I really felt like I can do this. I can actually write all these songs. This feels like something deeply meaningful for my life. And that will be healing for me and will be something unique. Maybe we could get together and do book readings and music together. You know, we sort of plotted some of that as, as a unique way to support each other on that path. It was an unfolding, the lotus coming up from the mud, the unfolding of what I had thought had been lost into the murkiness of my own consciousness, my own life, reemerged and was able to bloom. That was an amazing thing. I'm forever grateful for that process. When you were connecting with poetry, were you connecting with different poets you knew or were you writing your own poetry or doing a little bit of both and who were the poets was, that you were drawn to I was writing my own I was also drawn to Rilke and to like Walt Whitman as I was helping Jaron learn about Walt Whitman Walt Whitman and Rilke both have that spiritual core and that was something that I think rekindling that in myself just a reconnection with my own uh, spiritual self really was part of that whole process. That, as I realize now, was also kind of not cauterized, but it kind of felt that way. I felt cut off from everything. My spiritual sense, my creative sense, all of those things to me, for me, are combined. Um, they're one thing, ultimately. And so slowly getting back into that was really important for me. I did a lot of my own writing 
Um, but I would say that both of those great poets it did inspire me. You, by any chance, have any of the writing that you've done that you could read for us? I'd love to hear something if it's handy. Oh, yes. Yes, I can. Um, I can do that. I have a, a book of poetry from a long time ago called New Beyond and In the Womb of the World, sort of a combination of two chapbooks really put together. I'll read you one from there to start. And this is titled, You Slipped Into the Womb. It was for my son, Jaron. You slipped into the womb like a thief and stole my innermost joy. When you were born, you gave it back to me, multiplied into galaxies and all the worlds of impenetrable being lined up like pearls that became your teeth. The dimples on your cheeks were ripples in gravity. The curvature of time and space, the bow of your mouth the point of your chin, the arch of your brows, the crow crinkle and twinkle of eyes like wide windowed universes filled with stars and wonder, my baby, my baby, if I ever doubt, there's your smile like the birth of suns. Beautiful. Can you give us another one? Why not? Okay. This is where it gets dark. <laughs> I don't, oof. so trigger warning. This is a, a medical poem called Waxen Doll. Limp, unnaturally pale. Plastic tubing bites and snakes, winds in tangles, hiding your limbs. Artificial animation, ventilator wheezes, lungs fill and collapse, forcing your tiny body to live. My baby, my baby, a scream from inside rips through me silently through my body, still torn from birthing, still bleeding. I sit still, calm, frozen, eyes locked on flashing lights, brushing white coats, urgency and motion, alarms and cacophony, compete for attention. A swarm of competent hands dance between monitors and meds, a patch over an open heart. It beats, beats. Beats, beats. White coats drift away. I sit still, calm, frozen, mind-locking, warrior mode. My heart, my heart, frozen, 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 frozen. I can't pray anymore, but all of heaven hears. Thank you, Lynn. And maybe one more to sorbet the room with a little more lightness. <laughs> yes. I'll try this one. This is called Love Wraps Around. Love wraps around like a towel after a bath with hugs for blue lips and warm pajamas at the ready. Love wraps around like a bandage over a scratch where a single red drop brings a knitted brow. Love wraps around like a blanket on the couch, covering the whole family, snuggling into a movie. Love wraps around, entangles, ties knots, makes nets to fall into. Love wraps around, binds every atom, connects oxygen to hydrogen, joins into cells that see. Love wraps around, warp, and weft, 
in us, through us, becomes us, is us, wrapped around itself. We are made of such stuff as the embraced and cared for child. And the pattern repeats moment to moment in towels, bandages, blankets, and nets. Love wraps around what love begets. Three fantastic poems. Thank you <laughs> so much for reading those. You said earlier, I'm not an actor. I don't know anything about <laughs> acting. I have to say, listening to those three pieces, I thought you delivered on the spot a letter-perfect, emotionally connected three-poem reading. Now, I know that you were a little surprised. I said, do you have something? And you brought it up. And you read it for us. And yet it was it was beautiful the way you were able to connect with those pieces. And I love to watch you allow yourself to go there. Most people, myself included, mm. when I'm asked to read, I get in my own way. I try to go there and sometimes I actually succeed. You did it effortlessly as if you'd been acting oh. all your life. Tell us what was going on in your emotional interior as you were reading those pieces. And, and how do you allow yourself to do that? And please tie that into the songs that I've listened to that you've written for Donna Glee's piece or Donna Glee's book. It's really yes. a remarkable emotional connection going on there. So talk about that, please. Thank you so much. Well, for me, emotional connection is where I start when I write a poem. I have something that needs to come out, something that has inspired me or something that hurts or something that is beautiful and feels loving and wonderful. It all starts with the emotional connection. That is how it's easy to get back into it is because it never leaves. The words are the best scaffolding for the emotional experience that I can come up with that tells the story and a little story in some way or that gives a sketch or something of that feeling. So when I read it, I get sucked immediately back into the emotion of it because that's, again, that's, that's what it is to me is a way to structure an emotion in a sensory or, or, you know, in a storytelling way. And that to me is, is my therapy. <laughs> That's, that is therapy for me to, to get these out. In terms of, of writing songs for Donna Glee, emotional connection is where I started with that story. The idea of Pinpoy, this heroine, who on her own at the, at the beginning of her journey as a woman going off to save her trees and her people by talking to the what she thinks are the ancestors and then getting thrown into very challenging different world where she's basically almost enslaved in a terrible dystopian sort of environment and trying still to fight that good fight i loved how she wrote it because it connected with me emotionally and so the songs for me we're all trying to do almost what uh, is in opera. You know, you have recitative, which moves the plot forward. And then you have the arias, which are the emotional expressions of the character. And so I 
sort of felt my role is is what I'm good at is tapping into the emotional part of a story and trying to express that. Um, so that was where I started. The first song, Listening to Trees, it's intro, Listening to Trees. I wanted to convey the feeling of a person going into meditation, into what's called the flow in the story, is, is this ability that the people have to connect energetically to their environment, to feel themselves going out into their environment and touching into the trees and into life. So I wanted to start that and, and paint that out. So it starts very subtly with just a, almost a singing bowl kind of sound and just the voice with the nature sounds in the background and going into this more and more expanded production so that you feel, if you listen to that one song, as you listen, you sort of expand out with the production of it as if you were touching into the flow and going energetically out into the greater world. And then it comes back, ends with the sounds of nature. If you also notice the outro ends with sounds of nature, it's a song cycle. So what I would like to do now, since you've introduced it and you mm. did send the song to me, I am going to play the song, Listening to Trees. So we'll move into that now, and then I will come back to you, and you can, can talk more about it. Feel the surprise sink deep. Drink the sun.
So, Lynn, that was your song, Listening to Trees, and I really appreciate you explaining it so that people can have a, have a chance to hear it. The full-bodied final production, done, finished, processed by your husband, Chris <laughs> Rosser, and, and ready for all of us. Enjoy. So, you have six more songs that go along with this as well. Continue. Yeah, six in total, right. Yes, um, the second one is titled Bridges, and there's a lot about how they use the trees to make living bridges in this community of, of people. And it's, a, it's such a wet environment that if you use any kind of cut wood, the wood would rot. So you weave the trees over time into these bridges that cross over these vast rivers and things. There's just water everywhere. It's such a beautiful image to me of letting those trees like synapses in the mind build slowly over time. This song is an impression of that idea taken to how how I I see those bridges needing to be built within ourselves, within our minds, to overcome barriers, to take that concept of those bridges that get developed and woven together over time as being bridges between cultures, bridges between peoples, overcoming all of our polarities with these slowly woven bridges. There's a sense of current histories added to that. Coming back to the emotional part of the work, song we just played, it's clear your emotional connection is there just like with your poetry. When you work, you say you start with the emotional connection what does it feel like in your body? And the reason I'm asking this, I, I have trouble with that. I can intellectualize. And it's very good, but it often doesn't feel as emotionally connected as I would like for it to. How do you know? What do you feel like mm. when you catch that emotion? And then the opposite of that. Do you intellectualize things as well? Or are you just totally emotionally open and off you go, like riding the waves? No, I do both. And I like to do both. I like to have both the emotional connection and then the intellectual processing and, and overlaying of that. But the, the start has to be an emotional hook for me. In Bridges, for example, how is that an emotional hook? Well, for me, that is... A, core issue always has been as long as I can remember in my life just my grief over the ways that 
we as humans hurt each other, uh, wanting those bridges to be built. Uh, even as a child, you know, I was like, why is, why are, was, why are, was everyone fighting? You know, that's what, I've never fully understood why we put up all the barriers that we do. And, and I know that may sound naive. It just, my heart, you know? So what I do is I find that point in the world or in a story that connects with these emotional centers in myself, whether it's an idea of wanting the world to be a better place in some way, or whether it's wishing so much for healing for a certain issue, or whether it's my child going through suffering, or it's a kind of opening up the aperture of empathy, seeing with that eye, feeling then in my body, viscerally, that need for empathy, mentally doing that work to put myself in someone else's shoes or to see the situation from as many sides as I can. And it's maybe something that I just do automatically too, that happens pretty quickly. But but if I think about what that process is, it very often is reflective of taking things I've experienced that are painful and therefore being able to see how other people are hurting or or how a wound is in the world. If the world is wounded... I can relate it to myself uh, in my own sense of being wounded. From there, that emotion, that connection, that sense of wanting to do one little thing to make it better or to process it, that's the fuel. That's the emotional fuel. That's where I feel it in my body. I feel it in my heart. I feel it in, literally in my gut. It's a passion kind of thing. And and you can hear it coming up in my tears when I read. It's very present in me physically and so but from that emotion I find the words I find the images the things that touch that emotion and fire that emotion and I try then to take all of that once I've done that I process it more intellectually I go okay this relates to have this is a reference I can reference something here I can change this word like listening to trees I started out with this almost Disney-esque character voice starting out pinpoy upset with something I was like no 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 no. I need to get to the heart of that I need to write so that was actually a poem it became a poem I wrote for listening to trees that felt so much more resonant what I was trying to express emotion I have to be careful not to go to music theater with my stuff (laughs) so anyway does that help at all? <laughs> That's, um, that is very, very helpful. As we move to the top of our time together, the top of the hour, I okay. did want to address something you said. You were talking about throwing yourself fully into the work. I, I'm going into this work fully, and clearly you do. And then you said, this little contribution that I can make to this big world that has healing and wounds and war and sorrow and joy and happiness and everything combined. The tiny little thing you offer, small as it is, contains all of you. Knowing that what you're offering is tiny and may have some impact, but not that dramatic an impact. How does that sit with you as an artist and we can close with some thoughts on that i think and honestly i don't have expectations of 
grandeur. I really don't. So I appreciate you saying that. There's two things with that. One is the impact of just me for me. As an artist, I need to express this. I need to do this. It matters to me. And if other people resonate with this, if anyone out there resonates with it, that to me is beautiful and worthy. And if it makes one person feel more connected or inspired or brightens their day or makes them think or or connects with them in some way that's meaningful, then that's it. That's the worth of doing it. I don't need to make a giant impact. And if it's a small one like that, uh, you never know uh, how things ripple out, that one impact can lead to another impact, can lead to another. Small things matter and small loving gestures matter and they spread. And that's the kind of thing that I would like to spread in the world. Well, Lynn, I think that's a beautiful place to close. <laughs> Thank you. And, and before we go, please tell people how they can find out more about your music, what you do, and how they can contact you. Yes. The music is currently up on Bandcamp. You can find me under Lynn Morgan Rosser. You can also find me at Kofi. I'm working on that. I'm, I'm going to be working on a podcast. That's a whole other issue um, called Vida Colatour about the creative process and me uh, talking to wonderful mentors in that regard. I uh, can be found on Twitter um, at Lynn M. Rosser or on Insta. I, uh, you know, do the social media things. I will have a website up in the not too far future. So you can look for that and you can probably just Google me, Lynn Morgan Rosser. <laughs> if you're interested, I would love to uh, connect with people. You can, you can come find me. I'm here. So Lynn Morgan Rosser, thank you so much for being on Twice 5 Miles Radio. Thank you so much, James. I really appreciate it. And there you go, my friends. Thus concludes my conversation with Lynn Morgan Rosser. Since you've already heard Lynn's first song, Listening to Trees, from her new album, Songs for the Nightfield, inspired by Donaglee Williams' new novel, The Nightfield, let's take the rest of our time together before the top of the hour to hear three songs from Lynn's album so you will get a full feel for what she was talking about during our conversation. We'll start with the second song in the series, Bridges, followed by the third song, Mother, Ma, Yay, Ma, and conclude with the sixth and final piece, Outro, Legacy, Feather and Blade. Let's begin with Bridges. Between you and me, a sandy turning. 
just in stars of strengths and flaws of shadows deep love's mystery from 
you enjoyed Lynn's three songs as much as I did. Her first song was Bridges, her second song was Mother, and her last song was Legacy, Feather and Blade. The first song you heard earlier in the conversation was Listening to Trees. So now you have four beautiful songs from Lynn Rosser to take you into whatever you plan to do next. And on that note, I would like to say thank you for tuning in to Twice Five Miles Radio, fertile ground for conversations worth listening to and remembering. I'm your host, James Nave, always airing first on WPVMLP Asheville 103.7 and streaming online, WPVMFM.org, the voice of Asheville heard all over the world and on other community radios stations like KCEI, Cultural Energy Radio, coming out of Taos, New Mexico. Thank you, Walter Parks, for our theme song, WalterParks.com, for more on Walter's music. Thank you, Devine Dial, for managing WPVMFM, and Robin Collier, thank you for managing KCEI, Cultural Energy Radio. If you would like to reach out to me, nave at jamesnave.com. Nave is spelled N-A-V-E. I would love to hear from you. I'd like to remind you that we're sponsored by the Imaginative Storm Writing Project. If you would like to improve your writing chops, become a better writer, imaginativestorm.com is a good place to go to start that process. So, like I said, thanks ever so much for tuning in, and I do hope you return sometime soon, and until then, I'll catch you on that turnaround somewhere down the line. <laughs>